Hey there, welcome to the Layers of Design episode. I am your host, Ebehi. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if this is your first time, welcome. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to let you guys know that we are two weeks away from our first annual event on April 17th, which is the Design X Community Rethinking Public Spaces. If you haven't checked out this event or signed up yet, head over to our website, layersofdesign.online. So Design X Community is going to be a series of events encouraging designers to think about and take action towards social issues in our communities. This first event is focused on bringing awareness to people experiencing homelessness. It's a three-part event, so there's something for everyone. Again, head over to layersofdesign.online for all the info. Also, we had an amazing conversation with Julian Nagale, who is the principal and design director of Hewitt during our last Sketch It Out episode. So if you missed it, head over to our website or YouTube channel for the replay. Now, to this week's episode. Our guest is Ike Obanye. He's the principal of the award-winning Reba Chattered Architectural Practice, Architecture. Ike is also a founding partner of the Project Africa Network, an organization devoted to the economic empowerment of the continent through strengthening the relationships, partnerships, and collaborations between the continent's diaspora and its local communities, businesses, and people. Ike truly is an inspiration and openly shares with us how he got started in the profession. He gives a lot of great advice and tips on growing your professional and personal career. Most of all, this conversation was a lot of fun and we had lots of laughs too. So stay tuned and enjoy. Hi, Ike. Welcome to this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been a pleasure and I'm really excited for our conversation today. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm super excited. You know, this is my uh, first time on the mic. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited. That's good. I'm excited that it's your first time on the mic. <laughs> I'm happy <laughs> I get to be the first one, you know, to introduce <laughs> you to the podcast scene. See, um, so don't speak too soon, you know. um okay so let's start from the beginning what got you into architecture and design okay so my my journey into architecture was um pretty um unusual i think because um in school i actually wanted to become a lawyer and i was also um trying to be like a professional athlete so i flew over to america to try and um, pursue that, but then I had to come back to London um, in order to get like a a proper visa because I actually just paid for my ticket and just flew out there. (laughs) But then when I I got back to London, um, I actually fell in love with an ex-girlfriend of mine. Um, So I decided to stay here and decided to go to university. Um, And going to university, I, I didn't, 
quite know what I wanted want to do. I had an idea that I wanted to do law. Um, uh, but then I went to a careers advisor where I had to take a test. So I took a test and this test was to identify the things that I, I like and what courses are, are kind of better suited to me. So I took this test, right? And it came up with three things. It came up with uh, a deep sea diver, hmm? <laughs> a plumber, <laughs> and an, architectural, an architectural technician. And, you know, I didn't really want to do any swimming. So, you know, I picked architectural technology and I've been grateful for that ever since. So, um, you know, so I enrolled on a course that was as far away from London as possible, but still in the UK. And, and yeah, that's, that's how it started. Wow. Okay. So, wow. First of all, is you know, it kind of sounds like you sort of just jumped into architecture. Um, so I wanted to ask you, when did you realize or how did you realize that architecture was for you? Like, how did that transition happen? Or how did that realization happen rather? Yeah. Yeah. See, do you know, yeah. You know, you know, I said earlier that, you know, I kind of stumbled into it. Mm-hmm. But I think um, it's something that has been um, kind of ingrained in me in a way. Because as a kid, I was quite stubborn, right? So I didn't really like people telling me what to do. And and I remember this this time I was going to college. Yeah, this this might be a bit funny, but I was going to college and. I was going on, I was taking the same route that I took every single day. And I thought, why am I taking this route? You know, like, who's telling me to take this route? <laughs> so, so then I was like, you know, these roles are kind of designed to force us to take oh. certain routes. And I was like, I, I don't really like the idea of this, you know? And then I thought, okay, so what, you know, so what are these, what are these actual roles? And then I saw that the roads are the spaces in between buildings. Mm. So it wasn't the roads fault that was, it wasn't the roads telling me how to get to school. It was actually the buildings. And then, so I thought, you know, I need to see how I can get involved in, you know, um, um, with a bit more independence in going to school. Like if I was to design different buildings so I can just go to school anyhow, I want to go to school. Um, <laughs> That, um, then that would be good. So, you know, so I think my stubbornness um, got me into architecture. I'm not so stubborn now, though. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. That's a pretty cool um, story of how you realized that it was the buildings that were shaping your path to school. Um, so I know that you have um, your own practice called architecture. I- I- Am I right? Architecture. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So tell me how that started. Like, why after school, why did you decide to start your practice? See, you know, it didn't actually start after school. Mm. Um, it actually started in, I think it was 1999, um, when I enrolled onto my first degree. And I've got five degrees um, since, well, okay. four degrees since then. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> um, but, you know, like, I always knew I wanted to be in business, right? Um, so when I started my course, I started it with the intention that I was going to um, start a business in this field. 
And I, I, I didn't really know what the business of architecture was back then. Um, so I kind of, um, I was determined to understand what it was like, you know? So in my first year, you know, I didn't do any art or any graphics in school. You know, I did the traditional kind of subjects that would kind of get me towards law. So in my first year, I wasn't so great. Um, and I noticed that as well as, you know, my lecturers. <laughs> um, so I decided to, you know, try and get some experience in practice. So this was at an age way before the internet. So I remember getting Thompson's and Yellow Pages and just finding um, all the practice, all the architectural practices that were based in London and also based in Preston. Um, and I wrote to them, I wrote to each and every one of them, um, you know, uh, I had to stamp, had to get stamps, you know, <laughs> stamped each one. It cost me a fortune. But then I wrote to every single practice in the Northwest of England and every single practice that I knew of in London. And I got loads of rejections, um, but one practice um, that was kind of close to me accepted me. So I came to work for him for one day a week um, for free for the whole year. And okay, now this, this is um, an interesting story and, mm, and it could be a bit sensitive. So I'm, I'm kind of worried with people hearing this. Um, but at the end of my first year, I spoke to my head of department. I was like, you know, how can I get a first class degree in this subject, you know? Um, and they told me, oh, you know, this is really difficult. Like not many people can do this and mm. you know, it's hardly ever. But I was like, okay, what does it look like? Has anyone ever had it? Let me let me see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, you know, it's, it's very difficult. So then that, that made me even more determined. So like, um, so after this year of working um, with this um, with this practice that I'm forever grateful for, his name is Dan, Dan Peter Thompson, and he's based in Preston. If I can find him, you know, I would love to see him again. Um, I then went on to work for other practices and which basically funded my education. So I've already, I've already had one year of, of um, government funding for, my, um, for any of my degrees. And after that, I, I worked to fund it. But quite a long story short, at the end of that um, degree, um, I graduated at the highest in my class. Nice. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> We were first class and I was awarded a national um, award for the highest graduating, um, highest graduating, I think the highest graduating student. And um, the, <laughs> the, the lecturer, the lecturer told me that it was, you know, hard to do was a person who had to give me the award. <laughs> I have to ask, what was the secret? Because I mean, it sounds like you found the answer. So what was the secret to get in the first class? Okay, so I, I think that um, if you treat things as as real things, hmm. so like any project that you have in school, you have to treat it as though it's a real project that is actually going to get built, you know? Um, so I think if you treat things as, as, as if they were real, then you treat it, you know, with, with seriousness. Hmm. And also in my first year, like people were saying, um, you know, the first year doesn't really matter. Um, you know, it's only the, the second and third years and fourth years that matter. Um, but I, I didn't believe that. So mm -hmm. I thought the first year was the most important year. As long as you understand the system, how things work, 
and understand what you need to do, um, then the rest of the years will kind of flow. But if you don't do that, if you focus on going to parties and doing all the <laughs> stupid independence things, um, then you may struggle. Like that, that's, that's what I believe. And that's what I tell everyone who um, is about to start any kind of course. You know, the first year is the most important year. So you mm. have to go hard, go as hard as you can um, and just go hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's like building a foundation. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I want to backtrack a bit on what you just said. First of all, you started by telling us that you had five degrees. You have to yeah. tell us what those degrees are and how have they affected your career now? Okay, so all, all the degrees are in architecture. You know, oh, my last okay. degree was at Cambridge um, and that was uh, my qualification um, postgraduate post degree. Um, my first degree was in architectural technology, and then I did all the part one and part twos that you normally do in the UK. Now, the reason for why I did all this was for me to really just gain as much knowledge as possible. Mm. Like, um, and I didn't, I didn't start this to try and build up degree, like get loads of degrees and stuff. <laughs> I, I, just, I just did it to just expand my mind to get knowledge. Um, and because I, I was working for all this time, like I was gain, gaining the experience in practice, but I needed to, I needed to understand what my managers and seniors understood mm. um, from the theory side. And so that's why I decided to do all the studying. Um, and because I could um, as well, you know, when you're young, um, you're able to, or well, I think you're able to focus you know, you don't really have any responsibilities, you don't have a family that you need to, you know, attend to um, other than your siblings. Well, hopefully, I mean, those who do have families, I, I can, I, I definitely know the struggle that they, that they face when, when they um, take, when they take on studies as well as, um, um, as well as work. Mm -hmm. um, but how, how this all helps me today is that I think it gave me a good foundation to be where I'm at. And going back to the other question, you know, when did architecture actually begin? So I told you when it actually began, but mm -hmm. it was actually registered in 2012. And at that point, I realized I was ready to um, start a practice. Um, and it was like the more, it was like a natural kind of move for me because I'd worked for um, some great architects um, prior. I think I worked for about six or seven practices. And they've, they've been amazing. Um, I mean, everything I've learned in those practices has, has been amazing. And I'm grateful, grateful to them and grateful to the opportunity. Yeah. So, wow. Okay, first of all, I really um, admire your mindset of building that because you're constantly talking about building that, um, you know, solid foundation, building that, just increasing your knowledge in the practice. Um, and I also want to touch on you you know, just going out of your way to, um, I guess, apply and reach out to several firms just to gain that knowledge. That takes a lot of courage. And I feel a lot of people are, a lot of people shy away from doing that, especially because they're scared of rejection. So. Okay. No, so I'm sorry, man. <laughs> like, when, when, when you're, I mean, okay, I, I don't know whether it's an age thing or whatever. But mm -hmm. if you have a goal in life or in anything, like 
it's your responsibility mm. to do whatever you can to achieve that goal. Otherwise, it's just a dream. You know, you're just, you're just dreaming. And you can dream forever. Yeah. But if you want to make it a reality, you have to do what it takes in order to make it a reality. So back then, I, you know, no one told me to do those things. But it was just something I knew or felt that I had to do. Had to do. You know, because in, in my class, there were people that had done art in school. So they were very good at, you know, drawing. There are people that were in practice or had previously worked in practice. So they had a bit of knowledge that I didn't have, you know. And, you know, so I realized my shortcomings and they were, and it was evident. And I needed to hmm. compete, man. I needed to just um, just develop myself. And, and university isn't a place where... It's not like school. In school, they give you a textbook and you read the textbook, you understand the principles and you take an exam. University is where you actually learn to learn. You know, so anyone who, who, who's thinking about going to university and thinking that is a place where they teach you, it isn't. It's a place where you learn to learn. And, you know, <laughs> and, and, a, and a way of understanding what to learn is learning, you know, where you fall short in and trying to develop those, people call it weaknesses, but I just, for me, I think they're um, areas of improvement, you know. No one could be the best at in 360 degrees of life. Yeah. But then if you identify areas where you think you could be better at, then go hard, you know, get better. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's just my view. So, okay, wow. So speaking on your practice, right? When you got started, what did you start with? Like what designs did you start with? Did, did you have a goal that you were trying to hit? Did you have an idea of what you wanted your practice to like unfold into? Um, to, to be honest, it's been a journey, hmm. you know? So when I first started, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do other than to serve people. Um, and my practice has kind of evolved um, over the years. But I'll never forget, though, um, because I, uh, when I first started, I, I was by myself. I was working um, by myself for myself, and I, um, I hired this space um, that was not too far from me. And I remember getting my first call from a client that potential client at the time. Wow. And, <laughs> and it felt so good. I remember walking home thinking, God is great. Mm -hmm. You know, like I haven't really done any marketing or advertising, whatever, but someone has called me today to help them with their project. And man, uh, that feeling was, was so good. So since then, my practice has kind of evolved and it's grown as well. So right now there's um there's quite a few of us and, and and it's great that's amazing to hear so what do you focus on in your practice what what kind of work do you do okay so <laughs> <laughs> okay do you know what i think i think the best way to describe this is uh, you know like everything we do right is devoted to uplifting the human spirit so whether it's a furniture piece that we design and fabricate or a new home that is designed around, you know, the lifestyle of its inhabitants or school or a school or 
um, an education facility that needs to engage and inspire the minds of young people. Um, we kind of dig deep to expose and celebrate the uniqueness of each project. And I think, you know, our end goal, um, our end goal from that is to really support the enjoyment of life, right? Because life is all we have and I love life and I love living it. Um, and, I, and I think everyone should, you know, um, should love life as much as possible. So when you ask me, what do we do? We do a variety of things, but I think that is pretty much the essence of why we do it and what we try to achieve with each project. In wow. <laughs> so, I mean, so we work in residential, we work in civ um, civic architecture, we work in um, commercial, um, retail office space, and places of worship and community, um, community engagement projects. Um, yeah, that's what we do. I like that. You know, you you're just trying to you're trying to create spaces for us to enjoy life. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's what it's about, right? Yes, you know? that's honestly what is it, it is about. Like you know, all jokes aside, all seriousness aside as well. It's mm. life should be enjoyed. Absolutely. So, as a firm owner. Um, how, what kind of challenges do you face as a firm owner? First of all, let's start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> uh, so this is a tricky, actually, it's not so tricky. Do you know, I think there are four main things that I personally have challenges with, right? Hmm. And first is hiring the right people. Okay. Second is um, learning when to say no. And the third is choosing the right spouse. <laughs> like that is for me a really, a really important one. And the fourth one is probably my hardest, which is social media. Um, so th those, those are the four main challenges I have. Um, would you want me to elaborate on them or? Yes, please. Okay, so um, first one was um, hiring right people. people. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, having people that really synergize like it's it's such an amazing feeling and you know it can only result in producing great work you know um and and feel but when you get someone that isn't quite um clicked in to the um to the culture of the practice um it's evident and it could bring everything down yeah. so hiring the right people has been a challenge for me, but it's been a blessing because all the all the guys on my team, all the people on my team, they're just fantastic, you know. Um, and I love working with them, you know. Um, and I think the, the funny thing is, is me working in practice prior to starting my own practice, I I think I was able to see the things that um, worked and didn't work. And you know, so for instance. Um, like the guys that work with me, mm -hmm. um, they actually work with me. You know, we're, we're a team here. There is any kind of, well, there is a hierarchy because I'm the principal. But in terms of everyday working, you know, we, we work together. You know, there isn't a case of, you know, they work for me. Actually, do you know what? It's actually, I actually work for them. Mm. You know, <laughs> no, for real, because, you know, they get paid before I do. 
you know? <laughs> so so I, I actually work with them, but how, how we work in the office, we work together. You know, there's everyone's free to speak their mind. And I, I just love that. You know, I know when people first start, they, um, they feel a bit, bit shy or they're not sure whether they can say this or say that. But everyone makes it comfortable enough for everyone just to be free, like just to be themselves. And, and I love that. Um, but, and when someone comes in to try and disrupt that, um, then, then that's, that's, that's an issue. Yeah, so I have a sub questions. Okay, I didn't think I was going to have sub questions to all, to, to all of the four different steps, but I do. So on hiring the right people, first mm -hmm. one is how do you find the right people and what makes them the right people? Oh, that's a good question. Um, okay, now I hope this doesn't sound cocky, right? <laughs> but, I, but I haven't actually looked for people before. So mm. people have actually come to us. Um, and when they come in, like um, I actually have like a, um, like as part of the interview, we have two interview steps. So the first interview is where we just talk. Um, they show me the CV, show me the portfolio and all that kind of stuff. And the second step is, um, like a practical kind of exercise. Okay. Now there's there's a there's a bit of um, theory behind this, mm. and I don't know if I if I say this now, it could people could cheat by listen listen to this. <laughs> mm. okay. But the thing is, it's, it's not really about the practical exercise. Okay. Um, it's about how they they do it and how free they feel in asking questions. Mm. So I may give you something to do. Um, and you can sit down there and be struggling for hours just trying to work out how to do A and B. Or if you ask me questions, you're like, how do we do this? You're like, how do we do that? You know, why does this go this way? Then, then that's, that's what I'm looking for, you know? Um, hmm. yeah, so, so someone that's confident, outgoing, not afraid to speak their mind if they're having troubles? Well, yeah, not, not necessarily confident or outgoing, but just um, open enough to ask questions, you know? So, you know, don't, yeah, you have to ask questions. Okay, so the second part to that is, how do you set up an office culture where people feel comfortable and free enough to speak their mind? Okay, so the first week when they start, they sit next to me. Wow. <laughs> 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 And, okay. then we kind of, and then we kind of do things together, you know. Okay. So, I mean, if if you could, if you can feel free around around me, then you can feel free around everybody else. And and recently, uh, um, our HR person, she's actually become the kind of ambassador of fun, you know. So she creates games and stuff and things for people to do. Um, which kind of brings everyone together. And, and also we've started uh, what, what I call Spider Time, which happens every Friday. Okay. is where we take out the whole day and we pick um, an area in the world or an issue in the world and we just spy the time. You know, we just okay. brainstorm ideas on how we can, you know, um, kind of fix this or help this or provide a solution for this. And we do it together. You know, so from, from A to Z, we're all doing it together. Um, and then we start drawing and we just see what we come up with at the end of the day. And I think 
stuff like that um, kind of brings us close together. Uh, you know, at first, you know, it was a bit like, oh God, um, can I say that? But then, you know, the more we do it, the, you know, the closer we become. The closer, um, wow. I mean, yeah. just alone sitting next to you on the first week, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that, good though, right? You know? I mean, yes, it's, it's good, it's good. I've never heard anyone take that approach, actually. It's kind of nerve wracking too. Like, <laughs> you know, you can't mess up. That's your first week. <laughs> yeah, but it mess up, you know. And then <laughs> it's, it's like it's like skating. You know, when you go when you skate for the first time, you're scared to fall down. So you 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 know you're you know you take your small strides. But then once you fall down and realize that it wasn't that bad, man, you can skate. You know. So like, if you if you're able to just mess up and know that. Um, isn't that bad? Damn man, you can fly, you know. So, so yeah, mess up. Okay, I don't, I don't encourage you to mess up, but <laughs> but I'm encouraging you not to um, be scared to mess up. Mm -hmm. You know, just uh, also that, that was a that was a fist bump there. Um, <laughs> but just you know, be be free to be yourself, man, um, and being a game. Yeah. Hey guys, so. On Design X Community Rethinking Public Spaces. As I mentioned, there are three parts to this event. There's a design competition, which is now due on April 9th, and we have phenomenal jurors. So, if you're interested, you still have some time to be a part of it. Then, there's the virtual design seminar, where we'll learn how to create more inclusive public spaces. And lastly, there's the outreach portion, which is called Thoughtful Kits, where we'll be putting our words into action by going into the community to hand out kits to people experiencing homelessness. Like I said, there's something for everyone. So if you'd like to donate, be a sponsor, attend our event, or just support us in general, head over to layersofdesign.online for all the details. I hope to see you all on April 17th. In the meantime, let's get back to our episode. Wow, that's very cool. So next one, learning when to say no. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... Um, okay, so if you, if you imagine your architectural practice like a sandwich, like a, like a yummy sandwich, right? Um, the bread and the butter, the bread and the butter, sorry, are the projects that pay the bills. So these are projects that come in and they pay, pay all the bills. But then the yummy bits inside the sandwich, you know, they're the spectacle projects. They're the ones that, you know, are just ones that you want to talk about and share and stuff like that. Um, so if, if you get overwhelmed with um, the bread and butter projects, you don't really have much time or resource for the yummy projects. So I think it's um, saying no to mm. say um, bread and butter projects um, uh, would allow you to do some of the yummy stuff. And getting that balance right is a tricky thing. You know, um, I, you know, I definitely don't get it right all the time, um, but um, it's, it's, it's a challenge that, you know, that I have, I think. Oh wow! So, so how do you how do you identify 
your, um, I guess, the yummy project and then the bread and butter project? <laughs> okay, so, so, <laughs> so the bread and butter projects, they're, they're ones that um, uh, are pretty straightforward. Um, um, you know, I would say they're, they're pretty much developer-led. So developer-led projects are pretty straightforward. You know, their, their goals and aspirations are quite, um, uh, are, are very much understandable. And the Yummy projects, they're the ones that we're engaging with communities and, and cultures, um, and where we really need to spend time to understand the user needs, you know? Um, yeah, I'll say those are the Yummy projects and the bread and butter are um, just the straightforward ones. I like your descriptions of, um, you know, the different metaphors you're using for different things in architecture. It's very unique. <laughs> <laughs> so onto your third challenge, choosing the right spouse. Okay. Now this is probably the single most um, challenging thing. Um, and, I'm, and I'm kind of talking from experience here, you know, so I, um, <laughs> and it's so funny because I haven't actually said this publicly before. Um, wow. But um, yeah, so I, I was married to somebody who I loved very, very much. Um, but they um, were very much against me doing what, what I wanted to do. Um, and I didn't feel, I didn't, I didn't um, feel that at the time. But when our, when our marriage, um, um, when our marriage um, kind of expired, <laughs> I then realized that, you know, um, they were pretty much holding me back. And so the reason why I say finding the right, being with the right spouse is important is because I think you need to be with someone who you can grow with and who you can be a team with, right? If you're a team and if you're growing, then the sky's the limit. You do anything you want to do and as big as you want to do it. Um, you may not always believe in the right things, but if you're a team, then you will support one another in achieving those goals, mm. you know? Um, so for anyone that's you know about to get married or thinking of getting married and they have big goals in life, I, I would say um, um, think carefully about who you um, become one with. Now, see, this is mm -hmm. being married to somebody is one thing, but having children with somebody mm. is something else, right? And so the first step is to think carefully about who you want to spend the rest of your life with. And the second step is to think carefully about who you want to expand your family with you know because once your family is expanded you're going to be linked for life whether you like it or not you know um so yeah um uh, pick your spouse wisely and it's so funny my mentor um actually told me this before i met my ex-wife um and i didn't you know i don't know if i didn't understand what he was talking about or i just didn't care um because you know I loved my ex-wife very much, and I just want I just want her to be 
just great. But the feeling wasn't mutual. Um, so yeah, so that's it. Wow, wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, if I may, how do you, like, how do you, I guess, how does that affect you and your work in architecture? Man, it affects you big time. <laughs> like, okay, so I, I typically get up about 3.30 or 4 in the morning, every morning, right? Um, and that's so I can get in some work before the day starts. Because the day typically starts around 7.30, 8, you know, when contractors start calling you and then clients probably start calling you around 10. Um, so then the normal work day is more of management. Um, and I, I normally pick up my kids from school as well and bring them back to the office. And that happens around 3, 3 p.m. Um, so I need to get up early in order to, you know, facilitate work and, and family life. But then if your spouse doesn't believe in that or just doesn't want you to do that kind of thing because they're not doing it, then it could affect you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And if like, you know, you have goals, like, like of it, you know, expanding your business, you know, expanding your practice, um, serving different types of um, people and organizations, and your spouse is not, you know, is kind of against all those things, then it could be difficult. Like your spouse is your partner, it's supposed to be your, your life partner. So you're supposed to share like all of yourself with them. Um, and if you can't share all of yourself with them, and if they're and if they're not supporting you, then life could be quite challenging, you know. Um, yeah, that's, I hope that answers the question. Yes, yes, it did <laughs> definitely. So on to the last challenge. How best um, you you know you said you meant you talked about how best to manage your time in the in this new age of social media and self promotion. Okay, okay. Now social media is a new thing for me. And it feels weird saying this, but but it is. And and I and I I don't. Do you know? Okay. Yesterday or was the day before? Nothing was yesterday. Um, I was asking the guys, you know, how do I upload this video on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> well, in all fairness, Facebook changes like every day. Okay. Right. Right. Yes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody started laughing. I was like, <laughs> what? what's going on? You know, but they were like, oh, Ike, you know, you reminded me of um, when I teach, when I talk about grandma and how to. Oh. How to <laughs> so, you know, okay, you know, I, for for the 10 years we've been in practice or uh, eight or nine years, um, I haven't really spent time advertising, marketing and all that kind of stuff. Wow. But now I'm, um, I've, receive so many comments back that I need to start doing it. Um, and these are from clients, these are from friends, you know. Um, so this year, I've actually said, okay, let's see what we can do about this, you know. Um, and it's just time, you know. Because um, I, I, I typically spend most of my time either on projects, on, um, on the business in terms of um, um, my staff 
um, and my family, you know. Now I'm squeezing in social media. <laughs> um, oh, it's, it's, it's tough. I can't lie about that. It yeah. is. It is the the whole even just getting to understand all the algorithms or you know some people say that there's a good time to post or there's not a good time to post so you get yeah. more traction. Beginning to understand all of that is hard, and then creating content to put on your social media to draw people. I feel like that's also I mean that's also a challenge for me because I feel like I could be spending that time doing something else. Like I could be working on a project. I could be studying. But right. it seems like that is now, that is where the world is. Everyone is online, especially yeah. now during the pandemic. It's- yeah, I get that. You know, and like people tell me, oh, I just document what you do. But then I'm thinking, but I'm, I'm doing it. So if I'm doing it, I have to set, set up a camera, you know, do all that stuff to catch <laughs> me doing it. You know, and I'd rather just be doing it. And maybe if I can hire somebody to come in and just, they shadow me for like a week or yeah. something. Yeah, I mean, then, that's what people yeah. do. That's really what people do. And you get content for like months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So speaking on pandemic, actually, we haven't t- touched on that. How did that affect your practice? Um. Okay, when you say affect, you mean affect the work that we do? Or- yes, like affect the work you do either like, you know, because I know some practices, they got like um, less projects just because everyone has been more cautious with their skin. And also in terms of like the working from home, like, because there was a point where everyone was on lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of the work, um, because I think the work we can do is kind of diverse. So we can do a lot of different things. Um, All our big projects were put on pause. So that was a bit scary. Um, but then we had so many small projects come in. Nice. So we were just busy doing all the small stuff. Um, but in terms of um, uh, manage, managing them, well, not managing them, more like managing the team, that was like the biggest, the biggest challenge because normally when, normally right now, the office is empty, see all the chairs behind me. Mm-hmm. And normally there are people in those chairs so when we're working we're working we're talking oh you know look at this look at that um but now we can't really do that so i've i've been spending most of my time on zoom um zoom and google meets um and the first pandemic we'd have these group meetings that would just last forever and it was just so annoying <laughs> um, and then I had to I stopped that and started having individual meetings which were a lot more productive um, but I was doing it like all day and I wasn't I wasn't even doing any work myself and then I had I have clients on the zoom as well um, uh, so yeah it, it, it was tough the first pandemic the second pandemic I mean, I mean the, the first lockdown lockdown yeah the, the second lockdown was a bit a bit easier because I think we're we're flowing now, you know. So I have, so I have my team meets between ten and twelve, um, where I meet everyone for like a quick ten minute, um, you know, kind of flash meeting. You know, everyone says what they're doing, what what up to, you know, the challenges and what help they need. And then after that, we break into individual one on ones. Um, so then I have that from from ten to twelve. Um, and the good thing is that 
Uh, my guys, they also talk to each other. So after we have a one-on-one, they also have their one-on-ones. So, um, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, so now we're kind of flowing and we're kind of liking, liking it in a way, but I'm looking forward to when they can come back. Um, because there's nothing, there's nothing better than just physical, um, physical interaction, you know. Definitely. So before I let you go, I have two more questions for you. Um, the first one is, how does your practice stand out? <laughs> Man, you're asking me some tough questions today, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how do we stand out? That's a tough question. Um, Okay, do you know what? We we stand out by simply being ourselves. Hmm. You know, like we are all individually unique and it's being true to our uniqueness that makes us stand out. And I know a follow-on question is like, so what's your uniqueness? Which <laughs> <laughs> is even tougher, you know? Um, uh, okay. So I'm gonna to have to take you back. Is that okay? That's fine. <laughs> okay. So I'm um, I'm an Ibo boy mm-hmm. that was born and raised in London by first generation immigrant parents who came here um, after the Civil War um, and they met each other here. They didn't meet each other in Nigeria. They met here. Um, you okay? Sorry, I know where you know that you're an Ibo boy, so I know where you're from. Can yeah. you just say that just in case someone is in the audience and they don't know? So, okay, yeah, so I'm Ibo, I'm Nigerian, and Ibo is uh, basically a tribe in Nigeria. Um, I'm from the eastern part of Nigeria, um, a number state. Um, and yeah, so that's that's my heritage. Um, but I was born in, in London and I was, I was raised here. I go back um, to Nigeria as, as often as I can. Um, but yeah, so my parents are first-generation immigrants, and um, and they taught me and my siblings, so there's four of us, um, what it means to be Nigerian. Like they were the ones, <clears throat> they were the ones who taught us what it means to be Nigerian, and we learned what it means to be British by <clears throat> by our friends, by our school life, by our work life, um, but our home life was completely Nigerian. Um, and and I think um, what I want to uh, for saying that what I'd like to say is that our parents taught us that it's not about the resources that you have access to, it's more about the resourcefulness um, that you possess within and the resourcefulness that um, uh, that you kind of uh, that will allow you to get the things that you wish to get. You know, and I like to, I would like to believe that, um, that this kind of basic premise is reflected in all our projects. You know, it's not really about the resources that are available to us, you know, um, it's more about the resourcefulness of this project. You know, we don't have to, um, we don't have to, you know, get things from a different country. You know, what does this, um, particular place offer that that could actually give to this this building or this place, you know, the people that are part of this community, they're they're the things that um, they they are the main um, 
things that really make your community alive, you know? So how can we use that and just celebrate that in this particular project? So I think in our projects, um, I would like to think that it's the resourcefulness of that project that makes it unique. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Wow. So another question came up. <laughs> and, oh, I wanted to find out how do your two cultures affect your practice and your design as well? Um, hmm. <laughs> Okay, that's that, that's that's a tricky one um, because effect means that you know it does something to to it. Um, well, I, you know I am who I am, you know. So the practice that I've started and that is um, that my people have helped build has been because of who I am. So I don't know if it's affected my practice. Um, so yes. Influence? Would that be the right way to put it? Or has it influenced your practice in any way? Um, I would say it is my practice, mm. you know? Um, and I, I mean, the name of the practice you know, is, a, is, a, is a play on words, you know, Ike and, and architecture. But what it actually is, is, is actually an approach. So, okay, so I don't know whether this is egotistical or not, but I, you know, I, would like to, I like to believe that architecture is not just the name of the practice, but is an approach that a practice takes. And that approach is, you know, um, understanding and understanding your uniqueness um, and being true to self um, and putting, um, uh, putting life um, and living life um, at the core of all our projects right um and people live life you know so we promote people living life <laughs> so i like i like to think that architecture is an approach so in terms of influence um i think it you know my my backgrounds um are is my uniqueness and is the uniqueness of our practice mm. um uh, but i mean you know i can't i, I can't say this without um without um, making reference to the current situation, um, you know, Black Lives Matter movement um, and all the things surrounding that. I mean, now, now this is probably a, a, a deeper topic, mm -hmm. right? And I, I don't know if, if you have enough time for this, <laughs> but, you know, like, um, before, this, before the rise of this movement, mm -hmm. um, I think I I was colorblind, yeah. you know. Um, in all the places I studied, I was probably the only black person. In all the places I worked, apart from one place, I was probably the only black person. But I didn't I, I didn't feel affected by it, you know. Um, uh, which I mean, it didn't stop me from doing anything I decided to do. I didn't, I didn't see any, um, uh, or I didn't feel any uh, kind of negative um, things associated with my color or my race. Uh, you know, it, for the most part, I was actually encouraged to be more um, 
uh, more authentic, you know, um, in myself. Um, but the reason why I say I was colorblind is because I've I've always believed that regardless of, well, I think that if you have a goal or an aspiration in life, you should try your hardest to achieve that goal. If if you want to sit down and complain about I have this opportunity and that person doesn't have the opportunity, then you, you can sit down and do that. Or you can stand up and move forward. And so in my life and um, in this practice that I'm, um, that I'm, that I'm the principal of, we stand up and we move forward regardless. And sometimes, you know, um, actually, as I'm saying this, I'm also of the, of the opinion that, you know, um, if, you don't, if, you, if you don't have a seat at the table, you know, create your own table. Mm. You know, who says you have to be, you have to have a seat at this table, you know, go out and create your own table and get seats and get people sit, seated at, at that table. So, I mean, we've had, we've got so many examples in our community. When I say community, I'm talking about the black community where there are people that are doing amazing things and they didn't, they're not doing these amazing things because they're complaining about not having this, not having that. They're doing amazing things because they have a goal, they have a dream and they're working their ass off to achieve that goal and that dream. And that's what we all need to do. Um, yes, many bad things have happened and many bad things are happening, um, but we can, and I think we all have a responsibility to do what we can to prevent certain bad things from happening. Yes, but then we also have a responsibility to you know, live in our uniqueness and progress in life and help others to progress in life. And I've chose to do that through my practice, you know, chose to help people that come into my practice become the best architects that they can ever be. Um, I've, I've decided to um, help communities and help people with um, homes, help people with, um, with buildings, um, to have the best buildings, the best homes, the best school environments that they can possibly have, you know, in order to live their true potential. And that's how I've chosen to do it. To do it. So, uh, you know, like if that offends anybody, I'm sorry, but you know, um, that's that's me, man. That's you and your, you know, being your authentic self. Yeah. Um, so, my final question: What advice would you give someone that's just starting or thinking about starting in architecture? Hmm. Okay, so it's just started or thinking about starting. I would say um, try and find somebody that you admire and reach out to them. Mm. Reach out to somebody that you admire in architecture. You may not know anybody in architecture, so maybe let's go to YouTube. You know, YouTube is amazing. I never had YouTube in my time, but you have it in your time. So go on YouTube, type in architecture and see, just, just try and find things that you like or people that you like. Reach out to them and just learn from them. You know, if you're at school already, treat every single project as if it's a real project, mm. you know, that you are going to build this, you know, that you have real clients and reach out to the people in those communities because projects are based in communities, right? You can't just, I mean, unless, you know, you're designing something for the moon or for the sky. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like project, projects are based in communities. So go to those communities, 
learn about that community and then develop your architecture through that. And sometimes it's better to copy, you know, it's better to copy architects you admire to begin with. So you can kind of understand or try and when you role play, you then um, you can sometimes uncover the why why they're doing certain things or why certain decisions were made. And then once you understand that, you can then put your source on top of that, you know, um, and then kind of just make it yours, you know, um, and develop yourself better. So uh, I'll say reach out to people, um, treat every project as if it's real. Um, and yeah, and ask questions. <laughs> ask questions, man. If you don't understand something, don't be shy. You know, and even if you do understand something, ask the question of, oh, how can I make this better? You know, like, why is that? You know, um, how do we do this? Ask questions all the time, man. Ask a million questions. Um, yeah, the more questions you ask, the more answers you get. Um, yeah. and, and stimulate your mind every day. So in, in the UK here, we've got the AJ, the Oxford Journal. Um, I think they deliver magazines every week. But every day, like I try and, and I learned this from one of my managers when I was working for a practice called IDES, um, probably one of the best experiences I've had in architecture. Um, and um, I had a manager there. Okay, so his name was Trevor Conley. Um, and every day he would come in and he would go through magazines like, um, for at least you know 10 20 minutes regardless of what deadline we had we would go through magazines you know every day and that was to stimulate his mind um and so i've kind of copied that um so I, I kind of go through magazines every day um and he was one of my best managers man um he was somebody who kind of motivated me to be more of myself um yeah wow I hope that answers your question, man. Yes, it did. It really, you know, it gave us a lot of advice and I'm very grateful for that. I'm also very, very grateful for your time and for you coming on to share so much with us, you know, and give us all of this great advice. It comes from such a unique perspective. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. <laughs>